welcome to Vulture Boys, but I have to say something, Casey. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited today mm-hmm. because today is our first Vulture People episode. And Casey, would you tell us why that is? Tell us why that is, Casey. Because there's another vulture here, but it's a girl vulture. Yes. Also a known female as vulture. A female. Yeah, female vulture. So it's a female vulture girl people boy podcast. <laughs> Which we are is so gen- we're gender inclusive. So uh today uh, this is so Chris, welcome to the show. We're so happy yeah. to have you. <laughs> yeah, welcome, Chris. Sorry, <laughs> we just got excited about girl birds. Sorry. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, like, are girl vultures called something else? Like, do they have a different name? I don't know. Somebody can do the research. I don't know anything yeah. about that. Well, now I'm embarrassed for not having to look that up sooner, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll say there is. But we don't. We'll I'm gonna take. Yeah, Casey, you keep talking. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look this up. Google it. I feel yeah. like there's an important piece here. Um, well, but and so yeah. let me let me just make sure that people aren't on the line here too long wondering. But yes, Chris and I've known each other for like a year and a half, two years now, maybe. I don't know. What do you I think? I don't even Chris? know. I have no but, sense of time. COVID wrecked it, so I don't know. Okay. Well, Chris and I've known each other for uh, a good amount of time, and uh, I'm I, just so everybody knows, um, she's an extreme. You're an extremely impressive girl vulture. You're an extremely impressive. You are boss, mom, director, artist, author, speaker. I've, all those things are true. You are a dog mom. I mean, every single one of those things. So first, let's just do the real quick stuff. Um, yes. Family, married with kids. Married obviously. with kids. Yep. Married for uh, what, like 23 years or something crazy like that. Um, 23. Wow. Four kids, four teenagers. My, it's yeah, it's like full on. And a baby dog who's two years old, who was our wow. pandemic puppy. So he's my emotional mm. support animal. But uh, yeah, it's full on at my house. It's nonstop. And somehow in the midst of that, I try to look it up. It's very hard to find this, but you're in 10 to 15 publications of books out there. There's a handful you've written, obviously, but trying to find how many you've actually been a part of for like these sort of anthology type books. You've have tons of publications. Do you know actually how, you know, actually how many out out there you have? Uh, It might be like four or five. And then there's a nav press. um, I don't know if this is public, but the message Bible is going to have a, um, a devotional. And I have oh, one, cool. I have a couple going in there. So that's coming out. I don't oh, know that's exciting. Out. Yeah, I'm excited I'm to excited. hear about that. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and you and, the and you pipeline. And you yeah, just ruined great. it for Nav Press. They're going to yeah, be sorry, incredibly. Guys. They didn't tell me the confidential. So, full hey, disclosure. that's true. That like they should if they didn't want you to tell you, if they really didn't want you to say it, they would have made that super clear. They would have made you sign something. I'm um, just pumping the pre-orders right now. Like, let's go. Well, when does it come out? I honestly have no idea. You really have no <laughs> sense of time. You're right. You really, yeah. No, no clue. <laughs> I just knew, I knew my deadlines when I had to get okay. my stuff in and that's yeah. all I knew. Well, that's so, exciting. I love the people at Nav Press. So good for you. I'm pumped for you. Yeah, me too. Thanks. So I was able to find the answer to our question, you guys. <gasps> um, this is really actually interesting that male and female vultures do not show any visible differences. The only way you can actually tell the difference would have to involve a DNA sample. Oh, but well, this is wow, this is br- this is brilliant. I'm excited about this. What equality among vulture culture? <laughs> vulture <laughs> culture, dude. <laughs> I love sorry. that vulture culture. Yeah. So uh, actually, so one of the things I know that has has been. I've been so excited about this interview for a few reasons, but one of them is the retreats that you do. And I don't mean yeah. to like, I'm not trying to hijack anything from Casey, uh, but, and get, and get somewhere too fast. But I have been really intrigued when he first floated the idea of chatting with you. I was like, Oh, absolutely. And what was so intriguing is some of the retreats you do. So I don't even want to ruin it for people. Would you tell us what retreats that you've been doing, but also kind of um, the, the story behind it. So I, I'll let you just kind of go with it, run with it. We'll ask questions along the way, but give us a heads up of these retreats that you do. Okay. So the short version is um, 2014, I launched a retreat that was supposed to be a one-off. It was just like, I'll do this one act of obedience. I really felt like it was just like, God was kind of putting it on my 
part to do it. And so I hosted a very small, like 24 women, women's retreat. We did art. We did prayer. Uh, we really didn't know what we were doing because I really felt like I was just like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And so, um, we just did it and it was literally life changing. It's one of those experiences that we all came away from all 24 and we were all just kind of like, we don't really know how to talk about what that was. Like, we just don't really have mm. words. And, um, I did it once and that was it. And then, um, a couple of years later, over the two years, like I kept hearing this kind of like murmuring about the retreat and people kept asking, when are you going to do it again? And I was like, ah, that was a one time, one time deal. I'm mm. not doing it again. And, um, I did it again. And, <laughs> and then I did it again and again and again. And so now we're nine years in wow. and, um, it's a, usually once a year, I did do two in 2021, um, to make up for COVID. Um, mm -hmm. but it's a quiet, uh, contemplative art and faith kind of mashup retreat. And so typically the women that come are artists of some kind, whether they're musicians or writers or painters or sculptors, whatever, um, they tend to wow. have some hand or foot in the art somewhere, even if they're not, you know, putting it out there publicly, it's just part of their, uh, pleasure, um, those tend to be the women that come and we just spend three days sort of soaking in God's presence and in rest, like actual legit rest and making art. We have an art room that's open 24 hours a day. And it is like, literally when I say art room, like we bring art supplies wall to wall, whatever you want, wow. it's in there and you can just do your thing. Well, I'm, I'm fascinated. It's, it didn't sound like you meant to fall into that niche, but somehow artists kept coming. Why do you think it was it was this retreat or what you've done that was able to be like invite or invoke these sort of artists or at least Christian artists as well? I mean, that's sort of a unique category. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I mean, I feel like there's so much about it that I don't really know, like how it all has happened. I really feel like there's been a lot of God's hand just sort of you know, I always say like, I write the checks, you know, I just pay all the bills, like, and God just orchestrates mm -hmm. all the stuff because so much yeah. of it feels like beyond me. But I had a friend who was heavy into art journaling and she introduced it at that first retreat. And we were, the art piece ended up being like tremendously moving in a way that none of us expected. You know, we had a whole room full yeah. of women who were all like, Oh, I don't do art. I don't art journal. I don't, you know, yeah. we were like, ah, just do it. Like, what else you can do? Just have fun, just play. And God really used that art piece to like mm -hmm. do some deep healing and stuff in people that nobody, you know, saw coming. And I think that that sort of opened the door for us to realize like sometimes you can't access stuff any other way. And mm -hmm. when you allow yourself to step into that space that is vulnerable, right? Like, I know we're going to get into imposter syndrome, but like, you feel like I've never done this before. I don't know how to do this. I don't know anything about art journaling, but then you step into a space and it's like, God just shows you like this whole other side of what's going on inside you that you didn't even know was there because you've been afraid to like engage yeah. it in a out of the box way. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, you know, I definitely know what you mean. And, and I, uh, I myself would consider myself an artist, or at least I try to stay in that illustrative world. And I'll never forget being wildly uncomfortable, but impacted by some time ago, I was in therapy and my therapist wanted me to draw out this vision or this thought, or how would you draw this aspect of you and God, whatever. And I was already have done multiple children's books and illustrated them, but her just asking me this made me extremely uncomfortable. Then by the end of it, when she was able to interpret it, or I was able to sit with it, it was extremely liberating. And I do art all the time, but the fact when you start connecting your emotions or your faith to these things that become like an outlet, I yes. think people might be shocked. They're going to be uncomfortable, like you're saying up front, but the minute you actually get there and do it, you can't even stop. Like when I started sketching this stuff, it was this, this unique form of journaling and uh, extremely impactful. So I know that, exactly what you're talking about. It was huge. And, and now it's a mural over your bed and I'm sure Emily <laughs> loves it. This is my a lot of emotional demons. process. <laughs> this is my There's emotional a lot process. Of monsters. I, I, okay, so I, I would love to come to this conversation as the person who is not an overt artist um, or, or even covert artist. Like I, as far as the, maybe some of the tra traditional senses as drawing or painting or 
um, you know, sculpting and all of that different stuff. And Casey, let's just pause really quick. The stuff you've been putting out recently, whatever that new, I don't, whatever is this new thing you're doing, I freaking love it. I oh. love that stuff. Yeah. And Chris is seeing it too. I don't know what, That's what nice. you decided to change. I'm not just trying to be nice. Like I would tell you to suck. You know, I would, and I do. And there's times when stuff is not good and we're fine to talk about that. We have that relationship, yeah. but it's been next level. Casey Fritz, go check it out on its Instagram. But that stuff that you've been putting out, I would love to know just for a second, talking to two artists that can even, you know, journal. If somebody's not like somebody like me, who's maybe not overtly artistic, maybe with pen and paper, um, what, what's some of the advice that you're giving, uh, particularly, obviously the, the women at this event, what are some of the, the, the ways that you're helping them get started with that? Like, yeah. what does that process look like? Cause I would be interested to know as a person who would love to try this. So could you oh, give me I a heads up it. on that? I always get excited when people say they want to try. I'm like, yes, try. And Casey, to your point where you said you couldn't even stop, that is exactly what happened at that first retreat. We started the art session, like we had a kind of a prompt and started it, I want to say, I don't know, midday. And there were women in there creating until well after midnight. Like they literally did not leave that room. And they were just like nonstop. And these are women who came in saying, I don't know how to do this. I have never done this in my life. And they could not pull themselves away. So Brooke, Mm. to your question, I always think like to start with something, I love mixed media for this reason, because like, I don't really draw. I'm not a, I'm not a drawer. I don't like, I can picture it in my head, but I can never, ever get it like out of my fingertips onto the page that way. So I get really frustrated with drawing. So I don't really draw, Um, but I love color and I'm drawn to images. So what I love about art journaling is um, books and magazines and paint Um, because I will flip through a magazine and I'll be drawn to an image and I'll just start tearing or cutting images out and I'll just have like a little pile next to me and then I'll flip through old books and people who don't like deconstructing books just plug your ears because I will shred (laughs) a book all day long I I deliberately buy them to cut them up so you know I'm sorry I'm sorry you're you're Um, very vulture-esque very so I feel like I'm an author like if I can tear up books come on right like it's okay So I will get, you know, I'll get these images and I'll get these words and I'll just start layering things down on the page. And sometimes I don't know what I'm doing. Sometimes I don't know, like, why am I choosing this specific image or why am I drawn to these words? But what usually happens in the process of just kind of laying these things down is something starts to come together. And usually it's a processing of whatever, you know, if there's some junk I've been kind of carrying around or something I've been thinking about. It starts coming out in the images that I'm choosing or the words that I'm choosing. And so then I might end up like, next thing I know, I've got like a found poem on the page on top of a bunch of magazine cutouts. And it's like, it's deep. It's like processing something. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know, you know, I didn't set out to do that. So I would say you go into it with the, the idea that you don't have to make anything to show anybody. So that takes the pressure off. Like you're not, you know, we're not making for a gallery. This is for you. And then just choose things that you're drawn to. You don't have to know why. You don't have to know what you're going to do with them. You just start collecting. And then you just start like seeing where you feel like putting it down and see what happens. It's all a big experiment. Like so much freedom. To that point, I think um, what probably many journalers have learned early on, but what a lot of artists probably do struggle with. And so as we're sort of interplaying and intermarrying these, I will say to your first point is it is not performance-based. And the minute we let that sink into our bones that you don't have to share it, the minute you let that sink into their bones, I think you really see stuff come alive. My handwriting completely changes the way I draw, the risks I take um, either in journaling or in illustrating. And that has been monumental to realize, no, 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 nobody else can see this. But then even in, inside of that, as least as an, as an artist, what kills me is there's a part of me that always wants to share. And I think that's wrong. Like there's something like, okay, now I get, I'm created something. Now I have to put this out there and I need to, I want to start getting to the part where I are the position or the posture where I start creating and I don't share with anybody. Sort of the spiritual discipline of secrecy. You know, if you're familiar oh. with that sort of a uh, Robert Foster's entire, Richard Foster's entire world. But Nonetheless, I love that point. And I think if somebody could take that and implant that into their hands, heart and mind, I think they're actually going to see an aspect of art journaling, as you're calling it, 
really, really start to come alive. So can I ask a clarifying question? Thank yeah. you. That's really exciting to begin to learn the process. So would you say that this is something for you, or at least I'm sure you've come across women in your experience with this many years, you know, under your belt. Um, I would wonder, you know, how much does this end up processing uh, buried emotions for you and or for maybe some of the people that have uh, experienced it, where they're like, wow, this is actually a form, like you're kind of saying already, it's a form of therapy. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, oh, yeah. I, because I, because that's why I hear you saying in case you used it directly within therapy, but you know, like how often is that the case where it's actually uh, very therapeutic, not just, I mean, I think it's a lot of things, probably fun, interesting, but how often do you find it therapeutic? Is it all the time? Is it most of the time? What, what's your experience in that? I don't know if I put a percentage on it. I would say generally there's always at least some element of therapy included in it, you know, unintentionally. I mean, it's not like I necessarily yeah. go to my art journal, like, I need to, you know, I need to work this out. Um, I was thinking, I was actually just talking to somebody about this the other day because um, the last three, what has it been, three years, I feel like, I don't know, when the pandemic hit, like the bottom fell out of my personal life in ways that I did not see coming. And yeah. I, I was working through a lot of stuff, actually did a year in therapy, did a year of medication, um, mm. just trying to kind of like, home, like, whoa, whoa, I got to get my bearings again. And what the side effect of all of that was that I stopped writing. So I released a book in 2020, literally right as we went into lockdown, my book came wow. out and I stopped oh. writing. I could not write because I was dealing with all this junk and I just didn't want to write. I didn't want to put those things on the page. I just could not bear to do it. And so I spent the last three years doing a ton of art journaling. And what I realized when I flip back now through my art journals over the last couple of years is I was, I was working through my junk in a way that I would have normally done in my actual journal. I was doing yeah. it through art because that was allowing me to process it in much smaller pieces and much more, um, like there was a lot of freedom there because I didn't have to write all of those words about all of those terrible things that were going on. I could just mm. kind of like come at the page with some color that I was feeling and some, you know, little cutout words or whatever, but I wasn't having to like, you know, go deep in like I do when I journal. So it was a lot of therapy. I But sometimes I come to the art journal and it's really just playing around. Like I just start putting stuff down and I did, Um, you guys follow Austin Cleon? <clears throat> I don't. Uh, I don't know. No. Oh my gosh, you have to follow him. He's so fun. Fill us but he in. does this thing. His name, yeah, he does this thing called one cut. And sometimes he says, like, if you're gonna do some art journaling, like, just make one cut. So I have. Hmm. I hope to send you a picture later. But I have this picture of a woman who's standing, like, leaning against a wall, and I cut off her head and I glued a light bulb on, and that was my one cut. And so, like, that's just fun. <laughs> but it was like, yeah, you know, the concept of like, yeah. oh, she has ideas, right? It's yes. just so obvious. It's very cliche. But like, sometimes it's just playing like that. Like oh, yeah. I did one okay. where I cut off all the heads of animals and put them on people. And I was like, oh, there's my, there's my picture. You know, like, I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah. Chris, <laughs> Chris, you are one of the most kindly savage people I've ever met. <laughs> I mean, like, well, I, one cut, what I do is I just cut their heads off. That's therapy, right? It is. Okay. So let, let me, maybe I, I want to, I just want to peel back a layer. Uh, put a pin in imposter syndrome because I can't wait to talk about that, what it is, why it is, how do we work through it. But before we get to that, you said something that tr that just piqued my insight a little bit and my curiosity because uh, I've been in therapy for a lot of years. I think it's so in incredibly helpful. I'm in different forms of therapy. Like I I've got like a collage of therapists who I love talking to about different things for different reasons. And they're very helpful, men and women. Um, now, the thing that you said that I thought was really uh, smart, you did medication for a year. Now, I'm, I'm poking this because I want to just uh, highlight something that I think a lot, there's a lot of taboo around medication and mental health. And there's a lot of taboo around, oh man, like you just need to, you know, especially in Christian culture, just pray this away. You know, just you're depressed. Yeah. You just, you know what you need to do? You just need to read your Bible more. Um all you need is Jesus. The funny thing is, you know, people say all you need is God. God never said that. God never said all you need is me. He actually said, you need community. You need me. You need the Holy Spirit. It was never just one. So 
I want to just press into that a little bit. What was your experience? I mean, obviously feel free to share as much as you like. You don't have to overshare, but the medication piece, and the reason I point that out just before you answer is because I think there's a very good place for medication, especially when the point is not for dependency long-term, but to get through a really hard time. Because I've had friends that have been deeply depressed and it's like, man, just take a certain amount of medication for a season, not to cope with everything, but to actually come to center enough to go through the emotional processing you need to, to help wean yourself off. So I know that's a different approach, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. I hate all of those things that you said that people say about um, medication or any of that stuff where they're just like, just pray harder. Because the reality is if you've ever been that low, you literally can't pray sometimes. Like you just can't. Yeah. It's so hard. And I had the experience multiple times over the last couple of years where I literally could not physically bring myself to a place of saying like, Oh, I'm going to pray now. I was just Mm -hmm. like, God, God, like, Mm. I'm, you know, like, that's it. That's all I got. And I feel like the Holy Spirit, I really experienced that Holy Spirit kind of like praying for you because there were just times where I just too angry or too hurt or whatever that I just could not get there from here. And so I hate when people say that because I feel like that is absolute BS. I, it's just nonsense. And it's not right to put that burden on people who are already struggling um, yeah, cause God yes. wouldn't even put that burden on you. It's just cruel. So, Agreed. um, for me, as far as going on, so I've never, I'd never done any medication before I'd done counseling before, but I'd never done any medication. And I just hit a low, um, that was so low that I scared myself. I was mm. concerned about where I was spiraling <clears throat> into and feeling like I couldn't, I could not find my way out. And it was just mm-hmm. getting worse and not better. And, um, so I kind of just felt like I'm pretty stubborn and I was kind of like, this is not going to take me down. Like, I'm just, I'm just stubborn enough that this is not going to take me down. So I kind of was like, all right, we're coming at this with all guns blazing. We're doing therapy. We're doing medication. Like, and I and told my therapist, like the first time I met with her, I was like, listen, I will do the work. I will do whatever you tell me to do because I don't want to live like this. And I know not everybody comes into therapy that way, you know, but that was, that was how I came in was like, this crap stops now. I don't want to live my life this way. So I just, you know, I went for the medication. I mean, I was nervous about it because, you know, you read about adjustment Mm -hmm. periods and all that stuff. I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm really anxious that this is not, this is going to be a bad decision or whatever. But my doctor, I had a doctor who really listened to me and I told her exactly what I want. I said, I don't want, I don't want to lose my personality. I don't want to become like numb to the world. Um, I really want to be able to function and think and all of that. And I don't want to gain a hundred pounds from some terrible antidepressant. Yeah. I'd rather eat my bread, which I gained the pounds anyway, but that was because I ate, not because I took a pill. (laughs) COVID did that. Yeah, COVID did that to all of us. Yeah, you know, we baked a lot of bread. What can I say? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, so I just, I went for it and, you know, there was an adjustment period. It was a little weird at first when my buddy got onto it. Um, And it was funny because somebody was asking me like, did it help? And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't really know how I would know because would I have been worse if I hadn't taken it? I don't know. You know, I, yeah. I, I mean, I think it helped some. I don't know. You know, I, I don't really know how you would fully actually measure that. Yes. Um. Yeah. But it was worth it for me. And then I weaned myself off in July. And okay. that was because my doctor said, I get seasonal affective disorder, you know, like depression. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, I told her, I said, I don't want to stay on this forever. And she said, you can take yourself off whenever you're ready, but don't do it in the winter. And I was like, noted. Yeah. So I waited yeah. till July when it was beautiful and sunny and warm. Yes. <laughs> took myself off. Yeah. Now, Casey, can I ask you a question? Did you ever have to, and feel free to answer or not, did you ever take medication? in those ruts? Was there ever a time that you needed to do that? No, no, I didn't do that. I'm not anti or villainizing medication. My daughter's on medication. And, um, so it was, it had nothing to do with it. I, I didn't, yeah. I, 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 my was more, uh, making sure I just started working out or eating right. Yeah. Yeah. Along yeah. Those lines. So there was yep. supplements or there was stuff or activity or exercising I had to do in those ruts, you know, yeah. but it was not along the lines of a prescription of any kind. How about you? Oh, Oh, no. Uh, well, similar. So it's so fun. So Chris, thanks for answering that question. I really appreciate that. And thank you for sharing some of your end of it. 
I think there's a lot of things that are natural antidepressants. Running's one of them. Uh, moving your body's one of them. I mean, exercise has this built-in side effect of dopamine and all those things that you end up needing. Um, so I, I haven't had to do medication yet, although I absolutely would be everyone's so biologically different. So it just, it, if, if my biology needed it, I'd absolutely for a season for sure. But I'm with you, Chris. It's like, yeah, when's the time to, to do it? And when's the time to get off of it? Um, for me so far, diet and exercise are enough of a, a change that, <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, my wife says things like, uh, yeah, you're just not pleasant to be around when you're, yeah. when you're not exercising. And, the, and that's, that is the absolute truth. Like, I wish I was this docile, maybe chill person. I am not at all like, and like not even close. And it's not like I'm hyper type A, like intense all the time, but like, I just, I move through the world with an intensity that if it's a negative intensity, everyone in my atmosphere experiences it. So yeah, I have to work out as like a spiritual discipline, which is not actually always fun, but I kind of had to put it in that category of like, this isn't just about staying, uh, trying to stay fit. It's not just about, it's actually the, one of the best ways to love my family is to go on a run or one of the best ways, you know, in your situation, maybe well, one of the best ways is to, you know, actually take a take that, medication for a little bit. To that point, when we, you know, referring back to my rut or whatever it was, what I had to learn through therapy is exactly what you're saying, which was that the, the greatest gift you can give your family, your church community is the healthiest version of yourself. Yes. And so yes. until we come to that realization that that's the greatest thing I can give them is me being the most, the utmost of who I was made to be. Until yeah. we have that realization, we will continually, in my opinion, you can correct me, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. We will continue in our opinion, blame shifting or roots of bitterness or resentment creeping up that something isn't right within us and looking for those around us versus actually doing the work. And that's what I appreciate, Chris, about what you were talking about is before you even hopped onto this, you did the mental and heart work, you did the family work, you did the doctor work, you did the medical work, and then you took the wisest steps moving forward with the knowledge that you had. And I think what happens is, is obviously the people who demonize medication and therapy have not done the work scripturally. No. They haven't even done the work scripturally, so let alone them actually going through the mental work. But then what you're modeling is not only do we not villainize this, but we approach it with wisdom because it is something delicate because of the nature of what we're talking about. So I just really appreciated your healthy approach to yes. stepping into something like this. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, this really is, Chris, what I've learned from you is, um, and tell me if I'm wrong, but you really are like hell bent in the best way possible on wholeness. From yes. what I see, I, I've read your book. Um, I read your, your great Advent book, which we can talk about at the end. But from Refine Retreat to that is you really have a knack for making sure that women especially, because your refined retreats are gender specific, but women especially can find wholeness and whatever outlet that looks like, you really encourage it. So I don't know if you want to speak yeah. into that for a second or two. She's a savage. She's a savage on wholeness. That's yes. what she in is. Every way. <laughs> in every way. Oh my gosh. In every way. I love that you said hell bent on wholeness because I really do feel that way. I feel so strongly about it because exactly what you said, we are unhealthy. You know, it's the idea that like we forget all the time that the body of Christ is a body. And that yeah. means that we are connected to other members of the body. And that means yeah. if we don't get our sh together, then yeah, okay. go ahead. Go we ahead. are go ahead going now. to impact other members of the body with our yeah. crap that we don't want to deal with. And yeah. we, it's very, you know, it's like, I don't believe that we should get help just for the benefit of others like it's for you you need help sure. you get help for you but yeah. don't act like you live in a bubble and your health doesn't affect those around you or your unhealth right preach because i get so <laughs> angry about that because i feel like there's a lot of people walking around like don't touch my crap that's my junk you know i'm gonna just carry it around forever and i'm like well you're bleeding all over everyone like it's not just yeah. yours you're hurting so many people with your unhealth. And as a parent, yes. like I have to look at my kids and go, man, if I'm not a healthy parent and I'm not a Ooh. perfect parent, like, please, I am not a perfect parent, but if <laughs> None I of us not are. let's doing, sign up, right? Like, let's <laughs> yeah, be real. Yeah. If, yeah. If I'm not doing what I can do to try to be a healthy parent, like I am hurting my kids. You know, I may not be Absolutely. like leading them, but I am hurting them by being an unhealthy person 
And mm-hmm. then they're learning unhealthy habits because that's all I've got to offer. And like, I just, I just don't want it. I don't want any of that. And I don't want that for women or anybody, men anywhere. Right. And I get frustrated when people are willing to settle and just be like, it's hard. We're just going to leave it all alone. Like, Mm. no, I can't. I will poke that bear all day long. And to that point, you're you're right. And I think to that point is is I'm I'm involved with some right now, but I'm what I'm learning or I'm seeing in people is the amount of peacekeeping, not peacemaking, trying to keep peace um, and not disrupt Mm. the boat is negatively affecting everything. And so the people who seem to want to make everything puppy dogs and ponies and marshmallows, I actually (laughs) think, and this isn't true for everybody. I'm not going to make a full stereotype here, but I generally start to think, or at least the interactions I've had is because it's not for the sake of greater health, because what we've learned anything from Jesus, that dude can lance a wound. That dude came (laughs) with a sword. But people who try to keep peace are actually negatively affecting the entity, Mm. the unit, the church, the community. Because that is not the purpose of what we're supposed to be doing with ourselves. Yeah. It's disruption. Yeah. It's interruption. It's destroy. It's bl- explode. Whatever we can possibly do to be rebuilt by Christ. I think people like the way they're built and they try to stay that way. Oh, don't break my pottery to your point, Chris. And Jesus <laughs> is like, no, I'm going to knock this vase off. This vase is off. This vase is off. So anybody who, not anybody, I keep, I don't want to come across with all these like, um, uh, these absolute terms. I, I don't yeah, want to be, yeah. I don't want to be the guy who's just doing absolutes, but I definitely would encourage this. If you want what Chris is talking about, what we're talking about, as far as general health goes, it will be the most disruptive thing to your family, <laughs> your heart, your mind, and possibly your church or work. So welcome to disruption. That's what discipleship is. It's intrusion. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, that's why, and Brooke, I want to hear your thoughts in a second too. That's why yeah. the retreat is called refined. Because I had gone through an intense refining season where God really just like broke open so many things in my heart that were so ugly and so painful to have him, you know, surgically remove. Um, But if you look up the refining process, it is brutal. You know, it's fire. It's hot. It's like rubbing wool over rocks. Like in the olden days, before they had the processes we have now, you know, they'd have to take the wool from the lambs and like beat the crud out of it with rocks to refine it to make it usable. There's no part of the refining process that's pretty or delicate or gentle or easy. It's Mm -hmm. hard and it hurts like hell, but what you have afterwards is worth all of that struggle. And that's why I, you know, I am, I'm super passionate about it because I've seen the other side. Once you've seen the other side, you are never going to go back to that. You never will do it. You're, you're so, I, I'm, yeah, I'm nodding. I know this is an audio thing, so you can't see my physical nods, but I'm so into this. <laughs> I'm so into <laughs> what you're saying. And it, so uh, this is the second time I'm saying it. We're going to talk about imposter syndrome in a minute, but we better hurry up. <laughs> we better hurry up next, next topic after we close this one. Um, actually, so the, the thing that you're saying is yes and amen for me a thousand percent. It's disruptive. It's hard. That's what discipleship is. Yes, Casey. Yes, Chris, all of that. I also would like to point out we all have very gender neutral names. Anyway, um, move, moving on, I'd like to also say, isn't that funny? I just was realizing yeah. that I was talking like, wow, that's amazing. Uh, all of our names swing to any direction in a very com- comfortable way. So anyway, I, I was recognizing that something that I've been processing in my own, my own life and journey, and I think uh, I've been on the the like intense version of it for seven years now. So it's been seven consistent years of dealing with all of the stuff in my life for the first 30 years of my life. So one thing that I think, Casey, I might've texted you about this and we, and you said, I want to know more about that, but then we never talked about it because we're always talking about too many things is usually what happens. (laughs) But you know what no one ever told me is that when I decided to do my work and actually try to become the healthy individual, that that was going to create a chasm of loneliness that I hadn't experienced before. Yeah. And that the majority of people, and this is, again, we're we're not demonizing the majority, but a lot of people it's very hard to, to do the work. And I'm not saying that you and us three are unicorns. We've just, I think we have maybe a certain level of grit and like stick it to the man that we're like, we're not going to, we're not, we're not settling for that. And so whatever reason you jumped into it, 
I know for me, it was like, I'm not going to repeat past problems. And so I just didn't realize that that was going to potentially disrupt really good relationships in my life. And not with my wife or not with my kids, but uh, extended family, um, well-meaning, I would say godly people, and not recognizing that, wow, I am going to be misunderstood on a level that is hard to even explain because they don't even have the categories in which, and this isn't hierarchy or like I'm better or smarter. It's just like when you get a different lens, when you, when you need the right, like, uh, correction for your vision and you get the right lens, it's like, oh, I see clearly. It's like, oh, I just see something clearly now that I didn't see before. And I think it is so important to identify or at least make clear that this journey can sometimes be a very good one, but a very lonely one. And the people that you mean to bring close, sometimes it pushes away because unless they're willing to do the hard work and nobody can do it for them, uh, it becomes a very lonely world sometimes. So I know there's, I just said a lot, but I, I just think it's an observation. I think to that point, what you're saying is, even if somebody does the work, they may not, they may not truly understand what you are. Like it doesn't immediately mean you're not alone anymore, just in case somebody's willing to do the work. I think what you're pointing out, at least in my experience, which was it is such an isolated, particular, certain journey that you and Christ go through. And I think it's probably designed in such a way that it doesn't Mm -hmm. talk about a whole community going through the valley of the shadow of death. It's you and it's him and that's it. Yeah. And so I think to your point is the loneliness is to come and realize, like you're saying that, that we, we, we are not fully alone in these problems. And I think we have that recognition, but I would also just point out that that was a devastating for me is when I would come home from therapy and my wonderful wife would be like, tell me this, tell me that. And I was so exhausted. And I could not, like you're saying, I didn't have the vocabulary to even tell her what I was feeling. And that just immediately puts a, not a negative, but just builds a chasm to your point, your words. Yeah. Yeah. And so the loneliness is real. And I think that's kind of the point. I think there's, Part, I think that's but the point. But I, I would also say there's, there's also community in it because I also get to now connect with you, Chris, and connect with you, Casey. And there's a beauty in like other people who have a shared journey, the shared experience. and. Yeah. So I guess maybe it's, you know, it's, it's not, uh, this, this thought isn't uh, complete in one sense, but I think it is important that the loneliness you experience can sometimes be really hard, but I also agree, yes. like there's a certain level that needs to happen. Um, for a hard right turn, I want to talk about imposter syndrome. So tell us, tell, I mean, people are going to get a, get a gauge for what it is, but why don't you tell us what imposter syndrome is? And then what uh, your experience is with it and how you're helping people with it, all that kind of stuff. Is, is that a fair question or should I ask that question in a different way? No, that's good. Um, I mean, I think everybody knows what imposter syndrome is from the standpoint. It's essentially when you feel like you're a fraud at what you want to do or what you feel called to do at your work or your art. Um, and you feel really, um, I think there's like varying degrees of it. People feel it in different ways. Um, I think you can feel it on like a low grade where you just feel constantly this sort of nagging feeling of like, I just, yeah. I don't, I don't feel like I, I have the right to do this kind of thing. And then you can, you can have it all the way to the extreme where you're literally like paralyzed by it. And it's really wow. almost impossible to do what you feel called to do. Um, and I would say I've swung the pendulum all the, all the way, every, 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 phase of it I've probably experienced at one point or another I would say I probably almost always live with a low-grade version of imposter syndrome (laughs) right like just constant um but there have been seasons where it's been almost paralyzing and that's been really hard um but again this is you know this is where my stubbornness or my savagery comes in is I just feel (laughs) like I don't want to be I don't want to be held back by that you know I know that I want to do what I want to do. I'm, I'm ornery like that. I'm just ornery enough. I tell the Lord, like, I think you've made me like, this is my, this is my blessing and my curse is my orneriness. It's like, it can work for me or it can be a real pain in the butt. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I think it's just a matter of recognizing where you're at because when you recognize where you're at, then you can figure out like, how do I move forward? I do think there's a spiritual component to imposter syndrome. Okay. Which is probably out to give like the, the speedy version of that is that I think that imposter syndrome to me, the heart of it is identity. It's an identity question. Mm. Um, when I hear the questions that imposter syndrome asks me, um, and I always talk about it like voices, it's just how it, you know, you hear the thoughts yeah. in your head. For me, mm-hmm. it's like, who do you think you are to blah, 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 whatever, write this book, 
make this piece of art, post this retreat, you know, whatever it is, speak on this, speak at this event, whatever it is. Um, And so that question, who do you think you are? That's an identity question. And I feel like the imposter syndrome always attacks our core identity. And identity is a hot button word in our culture, but I'm talking about our God-given, inarguable identity that we are created by God. Like that identity is what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And that identity um, gets thrown into question, um, not only who we are, but who is God, which of Mm -hmm. course goes all the way back to Genesis. So I think there is a spiritual component to imposter syndrome that just wants to take that identity away from you. Because then you're paralyzed, then you don't do the work that God's called you to do. And that's a win. You know, if you have a blackboard, that's a hash mark for the enemy. And you're not doing what God's asked you to do. Yes. I, I love I love the angle of showing people or showcasing that um, when we do feel insecure in who we are, what we're doing, that that actually shows that we're losing the battle. And I think that I think unless we come to terms with the gravity or the gravitas of what we're dealing with and that sort of language that you're using, I don't think we're fully going to grasp how scary it is or how important it is, the aspect of truly owning your identity. And so I love that you're using this fiery language on purpose to get people to wake up. But this is what he's trying to take. This is what he's trying to do. If he can remove yeah. that aspect, everything else is just going to crumble. Okay. Absolutely. So since... Since Chris is our therapist, Casey, um, do you, <laughs> do you, uh, do you, I, I'm happy to surprise. give you that title, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Surprise. This is actually therapy for us. So thank yeah. you. Ultra Boys um, doesn't exist. This is just yeah, therapy. Th- yeah. We literally set <laughs> this whole therapy. thing up so we could talk to you. It's perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Casey, do you like real talk? Do you struggle with this or have you struggled with this? Do, does this show up in your life? It shows up in my life on things obviously involving people okay, or involving, involving a, a, a leverage of I owe them something and they owe me something or we've entered some sort of agreement. So pastoring, I felt it every day. Okay. Me, writing, me writing my own book because uh, I don't care what people buy it or not buy it, zero imposter syndrome. Cause I okay. like to, I feel it with this podcast, this podcast, I feel it like, who am I to offer anything? So I feel like to use Chris's words is low grade and high grade. It's anytime I'm offering something probably of a spiritual nature to people around me, I begin to doubt. But if I'm offering somebody like, Hey, you want to go head to head about horror or certain, or what the best fiction out there is or whatever Netflix show I'm watching, whatever it is, like birds. I'll talk about birds. You want to talk about the shoebill stork? We can talk about that <laughs> right now, and I will destroy you. I can talk about shoebill storks all day. Nobody wants to talk about that. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to do a whole episode on shoebill storks, and your I mind know. is going to be blown. Yeah, that I, bird is terrifying. I'm yes, it say. is. See? Yes. Okay, now we're talking about shoebill storks. Second, all right, next. I will just say this. So I think, I think there's certain categories where it starts to come in, and it's okay. mostly in the spiritual realm. So I don't know if that's true for you as well, but, but it's not uh, with any, anything other realm. I, I just have to say this though, Casey, I think Chris, what you're saying is right, that the enemy ends up jumping in and distorting or maybe even elevating that where we have a particular gifting maybe, or right word might be, uh, yeah, a gift might be the right word, gift or uh, anointing to do something within the realm that actually has fruit connected to it. These are all biblical words, but that idea of like blessing people, helping people. And Casey, that's so funny that you would feel that to me as an outsider, not really outsider, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, like you have so much to offer the spiritual world. Chris, would you agree? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but that's, but that is like, Casey this has is, so much to offer. Let's, no, he didn't. I don't I, we're going to, we're going to embarrass you. We're not trying to no, embarrass you. I don't want to like, do this. No. <laughs> Oh. Dude, this is half my podcast. So this is my <laughs> half right now. So shut up. I'm going to say a nice thing about you and you're going to receive it. And even if you don't want to. Yeah. No, but I think it's important because you actually it's it is interesting to me that you would feel that at all in this space, because I think that's so uh, it is a strength of yours and and not just like a, well, I just have some of these thoughts, like an actual time dedicated, educate time dedicated and educated view and experience. So. I just think you have a lot to offer the world. I wanted to affirm you over the space and say, I'm glad that you're doing That's this nice. because you do actually have a lot. And I do think that there's 
a lot of people that connect with the way that you view God, view the world, view society, culture, all that way more than most. And so I think there's a lot of beauty there. You're very kind. Just so everybody knows, Brooke sends texts like these daily to me. Literally, <laughs> he send, he does. No, he does. He's the nicest guy in the entire world. And anytime a text comes in and my wife and I are sitting there watching Dom or something, a text will come in from Brooke, the sweetest thing ever. <laughs> and my wife will always be like, he's so much better to you than I am. Like every time without fail, without fail, she'll just roll over and be like, why don't you go ask Brooke? Go spend time with Brooke. Like whatever it is. <laughs> Brooke oh is Brooke God. is not like this just oh, when he's recording. Brooke will Brooke is like this all the time. So Brooke is <laughs> no. I'm just a, when I when I uh, absolutely, but I I do think like the truth is important, and I think we all hunger for affirmation, and we need it. We need we well, need it. I don't mean like you're hungry in a bad way. I mean like it's not a needy thing. It's like we all need to know how we're impacting the world. I think that's one of the ways, even and, Chris, that we combat some of this culture, right? And I think to your point, and Chris can speak into this, to your point is it imposter syndrome does not just exist with things that were novice in. Mm. So I was been in ministry since 1998 and I still, still at time felt like an imposter speaking into people. And so it has nothing to do with what level you're at. And what would yeah. you say then, Chris, if it has nothing to do with, with what level you're at, really, what is the entry door? For something like this, if it's not having to do with novice or expert, if that, if that question makes sense. Yeah, no, I think the entry is really just uh, anytime you're going to do something. I think generally that's impactful, like Brooke was saying, I think when there's fruit attached to what you're doing, because um, like you, I don't feel it when I'm just I don't feel it when I art journal. I don't feel it when I'm doing things that are yeah. just for me. But if if somebody asked me to write you know, like the nav pressing, like if they asked me to submit devotions yeah. or something like that, like all of a sudden I'm like, I, I don't even know how to write. Like, what are they? I can't do this. You know, and I have to like work through this, all this crap. Like, okay, you've written a lot of devotions. You know how to write a devotion for Pete's sake. Yeah. But I have yeah. to like, you know, remind myself that like, no, you do know how to do this. You are called to do this and you will do this. And this voice is going to like, I always, I kind of have the analogy that like imposter syndrome is always going to ride in the car with me. But it does okay. not get to drive the car. It can ride and it's going to shut right. up. But it, I can't ever get it to completely go away. But I don't have to give it the keys. I can say no and I can pray. Like, I don't also, I really don't want to make it sound like um, self help. Like, you just need to get over your problem. Like, you just need to fix yeah. yourself because it, it requires prayer. It requires prayer. It requires working through it. Um, it's Holy Spirit you know, help. I yes, don't think it's necessarily yes. like just bootstrap your way through it and like get your crap together. I don't, I don't see it like that. But if you recognize what's happening, then you go to the word and you remind yourself of who you are, remind yourself of who God is. And you do that work with the Holy spirit. And then you just keep doing the thing that you're called to do. Yes. I think that, that I love that point is when imposter syndrome to the word we were using earlier, paralyzes us where we can't continue in the work we are doing. I think um, your word of encouragement to just persevere is probably the greatest tactic or weapon we can have against the enemy or the imposter syndrome itself. So yes. the minute we start, but yeah, it's endurance, it's endurance, it's endurance to keep going despite everything else saying to stop. Yes. Well, I, so here's the deal. I know our, our time's running out here, but here's what I want to ask. We asked this with uh, one of our other guests, Ryan Huber. Uh, we want to know your mental macros. What are you consuming? What, are, what books are you reading? What shows are you watching? Give us a heads up of where you're at mentally. And I really do like, Casey, if you're okay with it, I really do like calling these mental macros because it's very helpful. I, I, I like to know. I love it. So would you give us an insight of what, like where you at right now? Headspace, reading, watching, all that um, stuff. Reading. I just got... Um... Rachel, is it Marie Kang? Her new book, Let There Be Art. I just Marie got Callender. that. Rachel Marie Calendar. You said it wrong. It's not Calendar. I'm sorry. Is it? Yeah, okay, Rachel Marie Calendar. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm totally lying. It's not I'm just like, Calendar. It's Kang. I'm all positive it's Kang. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> I just got that book, Let There Be Art. And okay. I tried to flip through it um, a couple of days ago. Like, I'm going to read this fast. And I was like, oh, no, you're not. So um, that one I'm going to do a slow, slow dive into. Um, yes. I am also reading, oh gosh, what's the other one? I also just got, um, 
Jonathan Haidt's book, uh, Haidt, Haidt, Jonathan Haidt. What's his? Oh yeah. gosh, The Righteous Mind. Righteous Mind. Oh, that's the one. Such a good book. It's haven't read it yet. F- oh my god. Haven't read, read all it. about it. So I'm gonna read that one. Okay. Um, watching. I'm not watching anything right now except stupid like um. Oh gosh, what's that show? The doctor. There's a doctor. He has um autism. Oh, oh it's on uh, TV. I'm totally spacing on the name of it. Good. Doctor. I know you. Good. Uh, it's so funny how my male friends are watching similar things, and my wife and her friends are watching like doctor shows. What is it about doctor shows where they're like it's just soothing watching people cut open right before bed? I just love it. It's so comforting. Like, what is it in the female psyche that's like? That's just my like comfort. That's my comfort Listen, show. My taste and edge more towards Casey's as far okay. as like what okay. I'm willing to watch. You're like in my husband's camp. He'll, he'll we'll watch that kind of stuff, and he's like, "Oh, why are they doing?" Like, I mean, I'm, it's so funny to me. I'm like, dude, it's fake. It's a rubber body. Just relax. You know, uh, <laughs> the real stuff though. Like, my wife geeks out on the real stuff, like pimple popper or the toe bro. And that oh. stuff makes me want to rip my skin off. Yeah, that I can't. I don't want to see. That. So no. this is where we differ. Like, I don't love that, but I'm intrigued by the science behind that. So I, I don't, but I don't, but I don't, but let me just be fair. I do not, I don't watch it because it like literally, I'll be watching it for, like, I've tried to watch it for a second and it like turns my stomach, like it, like completely viscerally. I'm like, oh, there's something wrong. Like I need to stop watching this. Yeah. Hey, it's. Uh, before we forget, I don't want to lose Chris because we've got like 60 seconds with Chris. Chris, you are doing some sort of workshop or retreat revol- like uh, revolving around imposter syndrome, right? Do you want to give a little shout out to that? Yeah. yeah right and where now, can we find you? All that stuff. Where can we find yes, you? When, some I, events. I'm most active on Instagram at Chris Camille. Um, Facebook, ugh, just look for me on Instagram or ChrisCamille.com. <laughs> Facebook um, sucks. Facebook sucks. Or uh, <laughs> RefineRetreat.com. So I am hosting a retreat. There are still um, registrations available for the ladies. Um, that's in March, but you can register now. And the imposter syndrome workshop is live, but it's like closed. So I'm going, I've got my guinea pigs in there now, my first round of people who are taking it. And once they're done, I'm going to get their feedback. I'm going to fix it, make it better. And then I'm going to release it again. So it'll be back out. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I, I will say I've given Chris a lot of crap over our time together that her retreat is gender specific because I want to go so bad. So I was just going to say, I was like, can Casey and I so come annoying. to one of these? We have female names. <laughs> I mean, are you okay yeah. with like, hey, can you just ignore the dudes in the back? I know they're kind of intimidating and weird looking, but would you just like tolerate their presence? <laughs> You have to come with like recording gear and be like, we're making a video or something. Oh, cool. That's uh, done. Done. We won't even record, Casey. We'll just take the microphones around and then we'll funny. just, we'll observe. It, it is funny. She just told us to be imposters at a retreat. I just want to make sure that everybody <laughs> knew that. Yeah. Well, Hey, Chris, you're a, you're a gift to the kingdom. I love the fight yes. that you're doing. I'm so sad that we probably could have done three podcasts on the major stuff oh, we yeah. just hit. Well, I mean, goodness, back. we'll have to have you back because I want to do a whole thing on art journaling. I want to do a whole thing on wholesome or, you know, wholeness, excuse me. And I want to do a whole thing on imposter syndrome again. So your time today it, it means a lot to us and yes. the work you're doing means even more to me um, personally i'm just excited to see people out there like you who aren't demonizing medication aren't demonizing therapy who aren't just saying go down the aisle prescription aisle of your bible you know we actually are seeking real help for people and to see wholeness and so i'm just grateful for you and who you are so, oh thank thanks you. guys well keep being savage please keep cutting the heads Kindly off savage. of Kindly savage. Savage. I can do nothing else right all right bye chris bye chris Chris Camille. Camille, is that correct? Camille. Camille. That's not what I thought. I thought it was Camille. I thought it was Camelot, Camelot, but it's Camille. I'm so glad we clarified that. What what a sweet, savage vulture. She is, she she has a sweet side, but she's like, she's tough stuff. 
I really enjoyed well, our I conversation. Think- I think all of her, I think all of her kids are boys. And so she's got four teenage boys in the house. And so she's got a, she's got rhino skin. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. What I, I, what a compliment that I'm sure every woman wants to hear. You've got rhino skin. <laughs> yeah. As far as mental, she mental will, toughness, mental toughness. Yes. Yeah. She'll like it. I feel bad though, to be honest, what sucks is, I mean, I know she had a tight schedule and we only try to be an hour podcast anyway, but I am bummed that we were hitting these massive Wholeness, art therapy, and, and imposter syndrome, we barely got into it even a little bit. I mean, we did a, a teeny little weensy amount, but that made me sad. No, I agree. And I think that's where it's enough. I, I, everybody that's listening, like, check out her stuff because she has so much more yeah. to offer. I think, if anything, this conversation can just hopefully whet people's appetite to that and to see, like, man, yes. she's got a lot to offer and there's a lot to think through. And if you're uh, a sister and you're listening to this uh, show, yeah, absolutely check out some of her retreats because apparently uh, the only way you and I are getting in is if we pretend to record the whole time. So (laughs) it's just (laughs) an ongoing podcast. This is a uh, 48-hour podcast. It's kind of a new experiment. We're going to see how long we can go. Um, Well, you know what, though? I honestly, now you were very kind. I wasn't trying to be overtly kind on the podcast i was trying to speak life into you because it's true you have a ton to offer the world but then when you were talking about my end now i'm concerned like am i causing marital tension with my uh <laughs> with my words to you a hundred percent you are <laughs> you're setting a standard that my wife can no longer meet or match i expect daily affirmation from her and she hasn't given it to me in months because she keeps saying go to your boyfriend brooke and so here i am needing texts from you so my wife and I haven't spoken in months, months. I haven't seen her in weeks. <laughs> oh man. Uh, just for everyone's sake, Casey's lying. But the point, I just, I just saw Emily scoot by behind you. Oh yeah. You have, you have uh, such a, uh, yeah, no, listen. No, I didn't say we were in separate houses. You have such a sweet wife and she is so kind. And I know this because to be married to you, she has to have a massive capacity for intensity. And at the same time, uh, just be so kind to balance out. Uh, well, you're kind too, but you know what I mean. Balance out your your intensity. So she, well, I, I'm, I'm married to a nine, and you know what nines are. <laughs> she is a peacemaker. <laughs> oh, dude, I know that world. Yes. Oh man, I know that world. Yeah. Um. Well, man, I I enjoyed our conversation, and thank you for uh, making connecting us with Chris and making this happen. I did. I mean, I'm. I, I was poor timing, but I was pretty uh, surprised that we all have unisex names and that was kind of interesting a kind of interesting thing wouldn't you say yeah and no joke i was 10 seconds away from making that same observation and really I got screwed i got <laughs> screwed by you. you beat me to it i was so i was so happy about the observation i got ready to say it i puffed my chest up and then you just darted in there like a little field mouse said it took a dump everywhere and ran out yeah well i mean I can't help it. I think I think quickly. Uh, not on purpose, though. It's it seems to be just a, a default setting uh, that these uh, things come to my mind quick, and I don't have much of a mind mouth filter, which problematic at times, as you can imagine. So um, there's no way there, there's no way anybody's listening to this right now to this very second. We're four minutes in to this little end cap. There's no way anybody's listening. This is you and I, Chess. <laughs> completely by ourselves in the cosmos uh, nobody cares and you know moment. what that this then this moment right now is the purest moment and one of my most favorite because this is why we decided to do this it was yeah, to have a right. space to have these conversations and when you have a scheduled meeting you know it's a lot easier to talk to people every week so this is our excuse to connect more and it's it's working this so is, this is why the podcast exists just so everybody knows it wasn't to put anything out it was literally just for brooke and i to hang out we're not joking we just thought we how do we get to hang out weekly and we figured it out that's how we do it um right. okay well how you want to end today casey uh I, would today, you like what was that no today we're going to end because i would love to hear your favorite sound i just want to hear brooke's favorite sound go ahead my well i need a second bro i gotta i gotta uh my, if you don't know your favorite sound right away then this podcast is a sham <laughs> Anybody that's a therapist listening to this, which I would doubt any therapist would listen to this. <laughs> Anybody with a degree is not listening. They're to this. not listening, except Ryan. Thank you, Ryan, for listening. Ryan Huber. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, but I would say 
actually to, to me, I, I would say that every time I don't have an answer that you want, you just you just scream and say, you have to know now. <laughs> and any therapist might point out that there's something behind that. I don't know what it is, but there's something there. <laughs> wow, that's, I feel seen. Yeah, well, I see you. Um, my favorite, I don't, but here's the problem. I don't actually sit around and think, what is my favorite sound? I don't have it. Well, I, I mean, was going to make the sound for you. Whatever oh. it was, I was just going to do it for you. So if you're like, hey, I love the sound of babies crying or teeth being drilled in at the dentist, I would have been like, hang on, bro. Here you go. Okay. Yeah. Teeth being drilled since you gave me an option. That's my favorite sound. Go ahead. Okay. You ready? And then after that, we're just going to go. Here comes your sound. Let me see if I can do it. <laughs> I'm so ready. <laughs> If people could see your face. <laughs> I'm imagining that you're in another room. You're in the lobby and you're here in the distance. All right, that's just, all right. It literally seven sounds, minutes of this. Seven minutes of this stupid recap. This is so dumb. It sounds like a dying animal. <laughs> no, it's in the distance. Casey Fritz, great episode. I love you. Bye. Love you, buddy.